0: Symbol of excellence in sports entertainment. At WrestleMania 6, I met the ultimate challenge in Hulk Hogan. But I will not be one to follow in Hulk Hogan's footsteps. For I will walk where no man has never been. Neither you, Bobby Heenan, nor you, honku will prevent me in reaching the outer limits as I fulfill the ultimate destiny. <laughs> Destiny? Let me tell you about destiny. Yes, Ultimate Warrior, you made history at WrestleMania. But this man is going to make history right here in Texas because he's going to become the World Wrestling Federation champion. So you bring it on, pal, as only you can bring it on because when it's all over and done with, he is going to be the World Wrestling Federation champion. And you know what you're going to be? You're just going to be another lonesome cowboy. Hulk Hogan at WrestleMania, I guess everybody learned what I've already known, that you're not perfect. So tonight, you're going back to school, as I prove once again, you're still not perfect, but I am. And with the genius in your corner, Hulk Hogan, you'll be taught a lesson. Let me make this perfectly clear. Tonight, Professor Hogan is going to be doing a lot of teaching, dude. And when the course is over and you fail miserably, genius, you're going to the Dunson's Corner, dude. Mr. Perfect, you're going to the principal's office. And what you're going to do when Professor Hogan knocks some sense into you?
1: hey now welcome to the 24 inch podcast episode number 11 my name is Steve Bennett and with me tonight as always out in Sopranos town USA Dave Rollins. we call him Hollywood what's up Dave how you doing tonight
2: living the life over here in uh, good old Sopranos town mr. stunning Steve how are you doing
1: well we had a little bit of a spring break spring, spring break. break. Post-WrestleMania, you know, back in the day, our day, they would film a ton of TV before WrestleMania, have WrestleMania, and then kind of go on a little bit of a break. And, yeah, man, and uh,
2: come back around the 20th of April. Yeah,
1: and that's exactly what we did. We took a little bit of a yeah. break, refreshed ourselves, had a little bit of a spring break. Paul was off for a couple weeks, and uh, I had the um, the vaccine, the, uh, the Corona vaccine. And, um, I got the second vaccine, you know, and it's a big thing. Like you hear all these stories that like someone got the second vaccine and then they had three years the next day and then, you (laughs) know, they were the sickest they've ever been. Well, I was all cocky and I was like, I'll be fine. And, uh, I went and got that baby Pfizer, the Pfizer, uh, vaccine. And I took it on a Monday at 9am. I was totally fine all day. Monday went to sleep. Fine. Woke up the next day, fine. Took Paul to school, fine. Got home from picking up Paul from school, fine. Had a Capicola and mozzarella sandwich on Italian bread from my favorite Italian uh, meat market in town called Pelicanos. Shout out to Pelicanos. And I said, you know, I'm feeling a little tired, and Paul is a little tired. We're gonna take a nap. This is at one o'clock on Tuesday, and I woke up on Thursday.
2: So. <laughs> See, I, I'm thinking, Steve, you're partying at Club La Vila for uh, spring break or something, and here you are all vaccined out on me
1: Yeah, I got uh, I'm,
2: glad you, I'm glad you're feeling better
1: In New York State, you get a pass when 14 days have passed, your second shot So now you can live in King Como State um, Yeah You know, with special freedoms I'm not sure what they are yet, but I heard they exist
2: I plead the fifth
1: <laughs> um, What did you do, do during your spring break? Anything good?
2: Spring break. Oh well, let, let me see what I was doing. I guess uh, Hollywood was being Hollywood. No, actually, um, I got my work has gone back to regular time. You know, we were doing only four hour shifts for a while. Still getting paid for the eight. Your God. shoot job. My shoot job, exactly. And uh, yeah, now so we're back for the the whole deal there. And uh, you know, just doing my thing. I've been going to a couple saw a couple of cool bands over the weekend. Had a good time. Went out to a live great music. Restaurant. Live music. Tell back, me more. Jack.
1: Tell me more.
2: Yeah, and then April nineteenth I think the bars are gonna you know bars and restaurants over here are gonna be full capacity. Still gotta wear that uh death mask, brother. You know, but the face um, diaper. Yeah, the face diaper, you know, what are you gonna do? But at least we're yeah. getting back there little by little. And uh yeah, I saw a cool chick singer was in the one band I saw Friday night. I got a place like a block away from my house. You can walk there, you don't gotta worry about driving, nothing like that. And uh, it was a really good time. Saturday, I went out to dinner at a uh, Greek restaurant in Montclair, New Jersey.
1: I like Greek food. Greek food is underrated ethnic food.
2: Something I just wish I knew how to order a little bit better. I'm always thinking gyro. You know what I'm saying? Sure. But um, I'm starting to get a little more technical with my uh, Greek eating. And that night, you know, since whenever I go to dinner, I uh, polish off usually at least one bottle of white.
1: Did you (laughs) You get Did you get the mozzarella cheese that they light on fire?
2: I did not. Oh, it's such Uh, a
1: great appetizer. They give you yeah. mozzarella cheese by the chunk and they kind of light it on fire. Oh, really, that sounds wild. Really as good.
2: To, to see my, my waiter wasn't was wearing a phony beard, so I didn't want to get a fireball to the face like the Hulkster. You ah, I, mean?
1: so, I hear you. Maybe next time. I really enjoy, like Italian's my number one ethnic food. Maybe Mexican or Chinese is next. American version. I do not like authentic. If someone says, oh, this is the good stuff. It's authentic Mexican. Nope. I want American Mexican. I want American Chinese. I also enjoy the hibachi. What's that? Japanese?
2: Japanese, yeah.
1: And I... um, There's some other ones I like, but I do not like Polish or German. Oof. Brutal. No, no kielbasa? Oh. Awful. Once Pol- in a while. Awful. Polish? I don't, th- oh, I don't think I've ever
2: gotten out to a Polish restaurant. What was the
1: other one? German. Oof.
2: German. Sauerkraut.
1: And Thai is horrible, too. Those would probably be my bottom three ethnics.
2: Yeah, I never had that. I
1: don't believe Horrible, horrible But
2: uh, yeah, we usually stick with the Italian You know, me and my family goes out on, on sat- Usually on Saturday night Every other Saturday night, something like that Usually well, it's an Italian place, but we mix it up What's a bit. your
1: go-to Italian dish at a restaurant? Oh,
2: Manigat boy. I mean, of course there's the chicken parm Is always a good one Okay. Um, well, I'm not Manigat
1: I'm usually debating between Manigat Or linguine with clam Or some kind of like not like that some kind of stuffed pasta that's seafood, like lobster ravioli. Oh, that's uh, great. You know, something like that. That's usually where I'm looking.
2: Yeah, I like a pizza all-sauce, a vodka sauce, of L- course. Linguini with
1: clams, sometimes. my number one. You know, that's my number one. White clam sauce. Yeah. You know, that's my number one meal at an Italian restaurant. I'd love to get it, especially when they're real clams.
2: Yeah, um, it also depends what kind of wine I'm drinking, too.
1: mm <clears throat> Mm, I could talk about food for a long time, <laughs> but uh, I we'll also off podcast. I also spent some time. I watched the show Ted Lasso. Have you heard about this show?
2: Uh, no, I have not.
1: So I was a little bit worried it was going to be like the the Shits Creek or shit, shitting in the creek or whatever. I've where heard of that one. Everyone's talking about. oh, it's so funny. I watched it. It's not funny. It's horrible.
2: Is that a Netflix?
1: I don't know what it's on, but it's horrible. Why it's not? some streaming show, you know.
2: Okay, say it one more time
1: the shit the shit in the creek or something like that or shit shit's creek oh shit's creek yeah oh
2: i thought you said something else first well yeah but like i'm
1: shit's creek you're not following me here
2: i'm not following you
1: i said i was worried it would be like shit's creek which i thought was horrible not so funny. what
2: was the name of the show but so the I show mean, that i not liked not
1: was ted lasso ted lasso it's on it. apple tv apple tv it's really funny and the guy is uh really good in it it's got you know what i like about a sitcom is when it's got heart. I really like the Goldbergs because, first of all, the nostalgia, but also it's just got good heart to it. It's got a good – I always feel good watching it. I don't know. It's got a heart to it, and uh, this show kind of reminded me of that. It had really good heart. I think, like, oh. How I Met Your Mother could be that way too when it was at its best, but then there's also just the, you know, the griminess of, like, a Seinfeld, which I love too. And Cheers. I saw that Rolling Stone put out today the top 100 sitcoms of all time. So do you? Yeah, I'm
2: afraid to look at that. Let's let's hear.
1: Okay, so number one was The Simpsons. Yeah. Number two was Cheers, and number three was Seinfeld. Number four was Lucy, and number five was Mash. I think five or six was Mash.
2: No, honeymooners.
1: Honeymooners was there, not not there, but there. You know what I mean. I'm sure I could get up the list if you've answered. Oh, yeah, the Rolling Stones. Tell me one swarks, more, so. one more story about your uh, about your weekend.
2: Or your, one more your story
1: break. Did you watch any wrestling?
2: Uh, well, only wrestling I've been watching is uh, you know, since WrestleMania has been all the content we're getting. Right, we're right. We'll, we'll get to A&E. that in a second.
1: We'll get to that in a second. Yeah,
2: yeah. Uh, besides that, you know, um, uh, my uh, I've been working out, running, but my uh, allergies—I don't get them every year, but this year getting a little bit of an attack here. A little bit of salt in the eyes, it kind of feels like, for Hollywood. So I've uh, been dealing with that. Uh, but besides that, everything else is really good.
1: All right, so here's the top ten. The Larry Sanders Show. Also in my top ten. Absolutely amazing. Gary I have, Shanley. Yep, I have the box set. It's incredible. Love it. Highly recommend it. Number nine, Parks and Recreation. I've never seen one episode of it. Doesn't nope. interest me. Number eight, The Honeymooners, as you said. Uh, number seven, the Mary Tyler Moore Show. Number six was Mash. Number five was All in the that Family, which is also incredible. That should be higher. Number four is I Love Lucy. Number three, Seinfeld. Two Cheers. One, Simpsons.
2: Yeah, the Simpsons. I mean, I, I I used to like the Simpsons like the first three seasons when I was like sixth, seventh, and eighth grade, but I fell off way back then.
1: I mean, to you me, know. Seinfeld would be one. Cheers would be number two. And yeah, I put all in the family would probably be number three
2: i'd go with one honeymooners two all in the family three seinfeld i'm not a bi- I like seinfeld i've seen them all i used to have a kramer poster i was in high school but it, i'm so more like the other way like the family sitcom type deal it, but i do like seinfeld but i'm such an 80s guy and it's such the opposite of me that i can't put it on my top but i am a fan
1: honeymooners but, uh, just doesn't have I, enough episodes
2: yeah, only like
1: thirty-seven. I mean, it's just not enough to be in the top three in my top. I three, guess
2: but if that's if that's what they're basing it on. Well, so I don't then, know what
1: they're basing it on. I'm just saying, yeah. on my list it's just not oh, on your list. It's hard to put thirty-five episodes of the Honeymooners up against one hundred and fifty Cheers episodes when all one hundred fifty Cheers episodes are great. You know what I mean? No, so. I don't think
2: they compare. I think you could put a thousand Cheers episodes against the thirty-seven Honeymooners.
1: <clears throat> well, they didn't stick around to make a thousand, so. <clears throat> But, that's unfortunate yeah it's a failure i, I think of uh, of the era maybe you know back in the um
2: because of the era
1: yeah back in the 50s i don't know that maybe the budgets weren't the same i don't know i don't know why yeah, it didn't run long i don't know there, there's, how there's, ratings worked dark, back then.
2: there's episodes that like they came bef- that they eventually were released like the dark episodes or some shit they're called like that and uh they're not they're not as good and they also, uh, that, like, yeah, played them R- in
1: sketches for a long time, right? Like, the characters lived on in sketches. Yeah, it was a Jackie like Gleason that. show. Yeah. That's
2: how it started.
1: Hey, I mean, it's an A-plus uh, show. Just to me, it's...
2: Yeah. I mean, any of those, like, how we have a Hulk Hogan podcast. If Rolling Stone magazine were, were t- weren't were too cool to do a wrestling list, Hulk Hogan probably be wouldn't be in the top five. You know what I mean? Well, actually, I, I'll give it's them like that credit. Style. This
1: list isn't quite as, like, woke or whatever as I thought it would be. One thing they do like when they when they ranked the show Louie, I forget where they ranked it. They they said something like, "Oh, it's it was so great and innovative at the time, but good luck sitting through one now." You know, it's like Yeah. Like somehow the show isn't funny anymore because Louie masturbated in front of women or whatever his allegation was, I don't know. It's not like he was a, some kind of serial rapist or whatever though. I don't know. So I guess that uh, Wee's playoffs didn't make the list. Pee Wee's Playhouse did not make the list. I thought it <laughs> might. I thought it might. Yeah. It's, got some, uh, it's got some. It's got some. You know, uh, retro value. It's it's increased. Like its reputation has increased over the years. I sure. Think. Uh, but you mentioned the Laps fan content, and I want to kind of want to talk about that. What you've been watching because we've been people like us have been blessed with a plethora of new programming. Um, one was the uh, the A and E biography series. And there's going to be like nine or ten of these. They're two hours long. Or at least they all have been two hours so far. The first one was about Stone Cold Steve Austin. A minus. I thought it was great. Really enjoyed it. Really good stuff. First time I ever heard Austin talk about his daughters. Which is really interesting. I thought thought there was really great things. I give it an A minus or so. Really great doc. Second one. Roddy Piper. Wow. Even better. His whole family's in it. Really great look at his career. Didn't attack him in any way. Didn't go after him for the WrestleMania 6 stuff. You know. Yeah, it was good. Really a feel-good show. Third one, Macho Man F-. minus. Unbelievable disgrace to the Macho Man and his legacy. I was so so mad, so disappointed. Yeah, it was so dark compared to the first two. You know, so many allegations made, you know, and Lanny is around when they're talking nice. When they talk bad about him, he's nowhere to be found to at least defend his brother or offset it a little bit. You know, his third wife isn't in it at all. Um, Yeah. You know, but they spend a lot of time talking to ex-girlfriend who I never even heard of. You had heard of her because she's from WCW, I guess. Sure. Gorgeous George or whatever her name is. Some plastic looking stripper. You know, who fires off every allegation ever about the Macho Man. You know, and the documentary just leaves it to be presented as fact, basically, that he had some kind of uh, in a box in the closet, in a lockbox, some kind of surveillance system of her house. Doesn't even sound like a thing in 1999, 2000, whatever year it was. You know, just a total hit piece. They make fun of him for being a rapper. You know, people like Peter Rosenberg are oh, in there oh. making fun, you know, trying to question the the way he treated Elizabeth in 1985. You know, Eric Bischoff's wife makes a, makes a comment that the way Macho Man treated her led to her having an eating disorder. Then later she goes on I to say she, she didn't even Luger meet her there, until though. 99 or something. I don't know. It was, yeah, no. it was ridiculous. She didn't
2: know Elizabeth when she was with Macho Man. I know, I think that's the, the they, point. They cut them, so yeah, it's they out cut of context was, there. That's what they make it look talk- like. Yeah, she was speaking of Luger's relationship. That's what you assumed.
1: That's what you assumed she was talking about. But where they put it in the show was when they were talking about Macho Man in 1985.
2: Yeah, where she didn't even know her. So they, you know, they edited it, cut it up, like they're doing everything. You know, these days,
1: total hit job. uh,
2: Peter Rosenberg saying, I believe it was him or that other idiot, the comedian that did his voice. Oh, Dan Soder copied his voice. Dan Soder. Oh, yeah, everybody, you know, Hulk, Austin, whoever had big 25 year careers. But Macho Man, he had a great, year, great career, but only seven years. What the hell are they talking about? What they seven know, years? Absolutely no sense. Yeah. Absolutely no sense. WCW, he was the champion when they were the number one wrestling company in the world. You know what I mean? Like, you can't just. Well, not at the tie. very least, that he had
1: nine years at the WWF. Yeah.
2: 85 to nine 94,
1: years. right? That's more than seven right there.
2: That's more than seven right there. Exactly. And then all the WCW stuff, and even the and stuff, everything you know, before. before WWS,
1: insane. Just to say that is
2: insane. Now people are going to watch this. You know what I mean? People believe everything they read, they believe everything they watch. And uh, yeah, I just don't understand. I'm I'm really curious to see. I guess they're not gonna, if they what they're going to do to the Warrior, but now because Dana Warrior, that piece of garbage, is involved with the company. Um, you know, so they'll
1: soft pedal it now.
2: Yeah, so I guess uh, somebody you know, you know they're not. Somebody forbid they're not going to do anything to Shawn Michaels.
1: Somebody in our group said this. I think it was Fred Nichols. Shout out to Elmira. Yeah. Uh, what did he say? The self-destruction of the matro Man. That's exactly what it was. Yeah, man.
2: Yeah, it was rough. It, I mean, the first hour wasn't so bad. If you take out the Stephanie Beller stuff, gorgeous George, it's still bad, but it's not as bad. That was really – if you just remove her entirely and put Lynn Payne in Savage's wife when he passed away – his high school sweetheart. I and where was her
1: Where was her to say, no, he was a wonderful husband. We had a wonderful yeah. relationship. We were so happy together. Like, I don't know if that... And hey, look it. There's a Kiss documentary coming out, a two-part biography, and everyone's all pissed off because Ace and Peter aren't in it. And then Eddie Trunk uh-huh. comes out and says, I tried to get Ace to be on it. Ace turned it down. Ace wouldn't talk. Ace is worried about narrative. So that could be. You know what I mean? We don't know. Maybe yeah. they did go to Lynn, and she said, no, I won't be on it. But... Very possible, but it was just, but Lanny was there. You know, Lanny was on it, and he should have been the voice of the macho man to take up the accusations. Instead, they just made the accusations and presented them essentially as fact and then went on
2: he Lanny might not even know that, you know, until he saw it, he just probably sat down. oh, and I'm, sure he's, I'm sure he's hour, furious. I'm
1: sure he's. Jerry yeah. Lawler absolutely crushed him the whole time, macho man, although that's nothing new. He's been doing that for years. Yeah. Um man, I thought it was so bad. Next week is Booker, Booker T. T. I'm I'm out on that. I I don't never watch just a single Booker T match unless you count whatever he did with Austin in the grocery store. If that's a match, I saw that. Otherwise, I don't yeah. think I've seen a single match. So I'm just taking a break from it anyway. I'm out on that. The other show Who do we got
2: Who do we got left after if Uh Hart? Bret Hart. Okay.
1: Uh Shawn, Shawn Michaels. Michaels. You said there is a Warrior 1?
2: Warrior 1, correct. That might be it. Well, there's been Mick Foley?
1: There's that, yep, Mick Foley. There's been three so far. He'll be four. We just named four. That's eight. I think there's one more. Undertaker? Okay.
2: I don't think so, no but maybe. Undertaker?
1: Okay. Um I don't think so. I'll take a I'm look. To... I'll take a look in a second. The other thing that's been out and I know you like this, Dave, and I I saw the first two. I haven't seen the third one yet is the the memorabilia show where they go on a search for the um for the memorabilia. The only thing I don't like about that one is the fake negotiating. You know, which yeah. is very obviously fake. There's just no need for it. You know what I mean? Just say you worked out a deal. You know, the fake negotiating is brutal. But man, there's some really cool stuff, you know, just to look at and to hear the stories of. I thought Undertaker and Kane were really good in it. I've enjoyed that one. You said you liked that one, right?
2: Yeah, I really enjoyed the Mick Foley one. I'm behind on it. I'm almost finished with the Undertaker and Kane. I didn't get to the uh Jerry King Lawler one yet. But yeah, I, I definitely enjoy it. Yeah, I haven't Something seen different.
1: the I haven't seen the Kings yet either. Let's see biography. Now, do you do you
2: think that they're uh, before you get to that? I'm sorry. Yeah. do you think um, that they're trying to set up for a physical Hall of Fame at the end? Do you think? That's yeah, that does
1: say? that does seem like where it's headed. Wouldn't it be
2: a cool way to end the show? Say you know, okay now. You know, be you know what the what perfect
1: spot. I thought about this Niagara Falls, New York.
2: Perfect. Yeah, perfect for you. You might, you might have some visitors. No, but think about <laughs> it.
1: They need they needed to be somewhere where you go there for a reason other than that, right? Yeah, I, I so, believe they had something.
2: Didn't they used to have a restaurant? They had a was store there. A they had a store, a store
1: in Niagara Falls, New York. And it was, it was actually in Canada, though, not New York. It was in Niagara Canada, Falls, Ontario. Um, but I have a long reason why I think it could be a good spot, but there's no point here. Let me real quickly. Steve Austin, Randy Savage, Roddy Piper, Booker T., Shawn Michaels, Bret Hart, Mick Foley, and The Warrior. I think we hit them all. So I guess that's eight of them.
2: Now, my question to you, now that we got them all out, who do you think maybe might get a railroad job out of those?
1: Oh, I think we saw the railroad.
2: That's it. No, the rest are going to be all... They're definitely not Railroad and and Booker
1: T. No. I would have said maybe... I would have got on board maybe saying, oh, you know what? I bet Warrior gets a railroad, but he's all... Friends of the company right now, so I doubt it. Yeah, and his
2: wife, his wife works there,
1: All right? So I doubt, well, I doubt that. And then um, Brett, Brett was involved in his. He's even said that he sat down and did interviews for it. So yeah. I mean, maybe he could be. Because think about it, we, we wouldn't
2: have think they would have done that to Savage before before we saw it. Eh, you know, only maybe but I mean, there's Hogan usually yeah and warrior before before his wife you know before they right if it wasn't for his
1: wife i think warrior would be ripe for a a burying for sure (laughs) um and then the next thing which starts this week is dark side of the ring season three um and they start off with a great one um a two-part brian pillman one i'm looking forward to that
2: yeah i actually saw the first part already it's on youtube now, uh, if they leave you hanging, you got to wait till Thursday to see the second
1: part. Yeah, then they got really good. The ultra violence of Nick Gage. I don't. I don't know if I know who that is.
2: I, I. I can't. The WCW stuff. You know, I can help you as much as you want. But Nick Gage, you got me, brother.
1: <laughs> and then <laughs> uh, the collision in Korea. Sure. Which was from 1995, I believe. Yeah. Um, then WCW went over there. Yeah, into North Korea. Uh, that'll be interesting. Then there might be a break. I know I that doing... it's a two-part season. I know for sure. Kind of like how Sopranos would do that. Remember they? just would... thinking that. I hope yeah. they don't
2: wait a year and a half in between,
1: though. <laughs> you ought to know a super sad thing about that. So my grandfather was a huge fan of Sopranos, and we would always talk about it. This is funny, too. I watched one episode of The Sopranos on a Sunday Night Live with my grandmother and my grandfather, and it was the Melfi rape one. And I'm like, of I'm course. never doing that again.
2: It's like you're, <laughs> you, like you're watching. If your parents are around, yep. your sisters, or whoever, and you're watching TV, nobody comes in the room. But the second a pair of boobs come yeah, out, oh, or yeah. Somebody in walks in. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it but never uh, fails.
1: I remember I was the last time I see my grandfather. He was in the garage and he's cooking ribs. The whole family they were going to Florida. They're kind of snowbirds at the time. And, um, we were, everyone in the family came to, before they left for the, for Florida. When I got there, my grandfather was in the garage. They had this two sided garage and during the winter, he would just open both sides and kind of grill in the garage. And, um, we're sitting in there talking and I remember two things stick out to it. He said to me, you know, don't, don't make a mistake and not marry Tammy. Make sure you do that. And then the other thing he said to me, we were t- I was telling him I saw one the next season of Sopranos. Was and he's like, oh man, and was it like eighteen months away? He's like, I hope I'm still alive by then. Yeah, he's and used to thirty seven episodes right. of the honeymooners, and, and that's a, it. <laughs> and of course, he was not alive by then. So. Oh. oh, so I'm sorry to hear that. Uh, I was not very happy with David Chase for yeah, taking so cool. fucking long. But um, <laughs> here's the rest of season three. Rest in peace. Yeah, rest in peace, Grandpa. Here's the rest of season three of Dark Side of the Moon, and there's some good ones. Um, the ultimate warrior, which is interesting because what about the ultimate warrior? You know, that could be a takedown of the ultimate warrior. You know what I mean? They could very easily get into his lecturing or who knows where these guys are going to take that one. Right. Yeah.
2: Especially with like Jim Ross and right. Jim Cornette. No protection, of no
1: protection yeah. in the company there. So that would be interesting. The dynamite kid, which is my number one excited for, you know, episode for sure. Same. Um, grizzly Smith's wrestling family. That could be a gnarly one. Sure. Uh, the plane ride from hell—that's another one I'm kind of looking forward to. I guess. Yeah, well, that yeah. might be
2: neck and neck with with Dynamite sure. for me. I'm excited about. Just
1: that Just depends, you know. Do we get what we normally get? This kind of like vagary in the same three stories, or did they, these guys kind of really crack it down? We'll see.
2: Yeah, I think that's why because like we only know like you will know, three right. things happening: yeah. Michael Hayes' hair getting cut, Scott Hall passing out, Mr. Perfect and Brock Lesnar having fighting. the fight. Yeah. Then that's like it. You know, off the top of our heads, like you're going to sure. do a whole show on that. You know what I mean? But let's see.
1: Uh, Luna Vachon, that could be a that could be a sleeper. You know, a dark. Sure, horse. Big, yeah. big fan of Lunas. Chris Canyon, who spent a lot of time complaining about being fired by the company on Howard Stern. Um, so I'm kind of yeah. interested to see if his appearances on Stern makes it, including a really big debate he had with Ric Flair, who kind of called in to defend the company one time. You he, know, I don't. I, really good segment.
2: I, I'm just finding out about that here right now. From you, I have to, You got to tell me more about that.
1: Yeah. um... So Chris Canyon would always basically made the accus- accusation on Stern that he was fired because he came out. Yeah. And he would go on there, and he'd bitch and bitch and bitch. So then...
2: Is this the WCW or WWE? WWE.
1: he would. WWE, bitch yeah. yeah.
2: He, he didn't last very long there.
1: Okay. So this one time, he was coming in, and the produ- you know, Stern was like, why don't you see if Vince McMahon will confront him on air? So Vince McMahon w- didn't do it. I'm pretty sure he has a good reason wrestling wise. When I looked into it, I think he was somewhere, right? So Rick Flair took the call and Rick Flair is just trying to tell him why it wasn't that, that he's average and he wasn't that good. That's why he was let go. Guys get let go all the time. You know, you could easily have been coming back, but now you're, Bad amount, you know, like it's really good. Really interesting. Yeah, I mean,
2: how, how, how could they let him go for being gay and Pat Patterson is the And
1: main he made guy that he the made the that point. He made that point. Yeah. I'll send that yeah. to you. That's really good.
2: Yeah, that's that's awesome, man. Thank
1: you. Uh the WWF steroid trials, which could be good, could be boring. because that's like a flip a coin either way, depends yeah. what they got. Depends what they got. Uh Johnny Canine, I don't think I know who that is.
2: He was a jobber in uh WBF. You do know him. He, he okay. was in our our day. Uh, he was actually a jobber at the time. You were at that Buffalo show uh, okay. for Superstars, but then he won an independent circuit and became known as Bruiser Bedlam. And uh, he became a very horrible person in real life after that. too, Ooh. I think
1: worse than the kids. Worse than that <laughs> Indian stuff. gimmick that wrestled on. Sim- I
2: I believe similar. similar? Don't quote okay. me, but it's similar shit like that. So I guess that's what they're going to break down in the show.
1: And then the last one is FMW.
2: Yeah, again, that that's one of those hardcore uh, jobs there. That
1: sure, I, don't,
2: I think David Arquette was a part of one of them. Believe that, it or not,
1: that sounds familiar. Yeah, uh, interesting. All right, yeah, man, this is what we got on today's show, and I always feel like I should have mentioned it by now, but um, keep them waiting, keep them waiting. On today's show, Mister Perfect, uh, the wonderful Kurt Hennig is uh, is the opponent of the Hulkster from Night's main event in April. Of 1990, just a few short weeks after uh, Hogan and Perfect both lost at WrestleMania Six. Good point. We'll talk about that and the effect that it had on this match. And we got a question even about it. Uh, But we're going to talk about Kurt. We'll go into his uh, bio in a second. Uh, And it it brings me to the point. I kind of want to talk to you a little bit about the second generation wrestlers of the 80s. Um, There was a lot of them and there were some big stars. Uh, and we'll talk a little bit about that. And then Dave's going to give us an update on what Hulk was up to uh, in between WrestleMania and this show. Uh, and then um, we'll do the news. We'll read the news from April of 1990. Uh, we'll break down the entire Saturday Night's Main Event card. Uh, then we'll go, we'll go blow by blow of the match, Hulk versus Hennig, and then we'll rate it. Uh, and then we have uh, emails and comments and questions from email and social media and everywhere from the listeners and then we will tell everyone what we're going to do on the next show and it's a big one it's one i'm really looking forward to and it's one that dave and i are going to put a lot of work into too Um, right so we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna be ambitious about the um the scope of it and then we're gonna research the shit out of it and then we're gonna bang a great podcast out because our Our put-out was a little low the last month just because of spring break and all that. So we wanted to do something kind of big, and we'll announce that at the end of the show. So with all that in mind, what do you think? You ready to do this? Ready to rumble. All right. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. Thank you for listening to the 24-inch podcast. Don't forget to check out my other podcast, The Sportscasters, 10 Years in the Making. You can find it on Twitter at sports underscore caster or download episodes wherever you found this podcast. You can find the 24-inch podcast on Twitter as well. We're at the number two, the number four, the word inch podcast at 24-inch podcast. Email us at 24 podcast at gmail.com. Don't forget about our friend Peter Winson and greeting from Allentown. It's at GF Allentown pod. 24-inch podcast, Hollywood, Dave and Steve Bennett coming to you. Special episode tonight. One of my all-time favorite wrestlers to watch in the ring and outside of the ring. A fantastic talent. Curtis Michael Hennig, born March 28th, 1958, and uh, we lost him on February 10th, 2003. He was born in Robbinsdale, Minnesota, uh, part of the Minnesota crew. Uh, You know, a lot of different guys, Mr. Perfect, the Road Warriors, just a whole bunch of guys from that area. That's always interesting to me. You know, when a group of group of guys around the same age from around the same area, you know, are great at the same thing. Like whether it be almost, baseball, football, or hockey players, or in this case wrestlers, it's just a really interesting thing to me. Almost
2: uh, all of them have now passed on.
1: Yeah, not many left. Uh, terrible. Not many at all. It's really sad. Um, he had four children, including Joe Henning, who's a wrestler. Um, and was in the WWE. I don't think he has anymore.
2: Curtis Axel. Curtis uh, Axel. Right. Was around not too long ago. On and the, off. The, the Mega Powers gimmick. He was Hulk, and the other guy, uh, Heath Slater. It was Heath Slater. I don't know. It was one of them was Macho Man.
1: Yeah, but uh, a couple of years ago, Kurt was childhood friends with Rick Rude. Um, they attended Robbinsdale High School in Robbinsdale, Minnesota, alongside. You ready for the list here? Tom, Tom Zink, Brady Boone. Nikita Koloff, John Nord, uh, Road Warrior Hawk, and Barry Dowso all went to Robbinsville High School.
2: Nice group to have on your side. Yeah. They all, a lot of them bounced at a bar, too, over there.
1: Yeah, that was a, a big deal. Uh, he debuted in 1980, and he won multiple championships in both Pacific North Wrestling and the AWA during uh, during the decade. He gained particular attention when he defeated Nick Bonquickle for the AWA World Heavyweight Championship in 1987. And he held the belt for 373 days. Which was one of the top 10 reigns uh, in history. So, um, Known as Cool Kurt Henning, he began his career on January 30th, 1980 in the AWA. The promotion that made his father, uh, Larry the Axe Henning, a star. Um, in 1981 to eight, 1983, he started his WWF career uh, with a victory over Johnny Rods. He was a promising young performer. He feuded with Playboy Buddy Rhodes, Greg Valentine, and Killer Khan, and he had tag team matches with. Do you know his partner?
2: Big Scott Hall,
1: Eddie Gilbert, not just
2: Scott Hall. Oh, okay, we're we're a little early. on Yeah, that. earlier. Yeah, you're not quite the Hall yet. <laughs> not quite
1: the Hall yet. <laughs> Uh, then he was in the before-mentioned Pacific Northwest Wrestling. Uh, he teamed up with Larry the Axe and won the NWA Pacific Northwest Tag Team Championship, defeating one of my favorite tag teams, Rip Oliver and Matt Bourne.
2: Rip Oliver? You remember who he, who he became one shot in the WWF?
1: Oh, uh, I can't stand that news show he has. It's terrible. On HBO? Oh, I hate it. Last, yeah. last Week Tonight or whatever, Rip Oliver, isn't that him?
2: <laughs> he was a super ninja to, um, oh I'm, I'm, thinking to,
1: I'm thinking of John <laughs> Oliver I'm thinking of John Oliver <laughs>
2: that was uh,
1: good. he later won the titles with Buddy Rose and Scott McGee in 1983 from 84 to 88 he made occasional appearances for the company uh, while he also worked for New Japan and various territories uh, also at this time like I said he was in the AWA uh, where he became one of the top stars this is what you mentioned he won the Tag Team Championship with Scott Hall. Uh, they beat Georges, Jimmy Garvin and Mr. Electricity, Steve Regal. Uh, that was in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Not a city I think of when I think of the AWA.
2: Albuquerque.
1: He resumed his solo career. We mentioned he beat uh, Nick at Super Clash on May 2nd, 1987. So that was just the anniversary past. passed. Um, Larry Zabisco helped him, turning him villain. Along with his father, Larry the Axe, he would gauge in a long feud with Greg Gagne and Vern Gagne. Um, really a great run here in the AWA towards their uh, towards their tail end. He held the title for 54, 53 weeks before losing it to... The Midnight Rockers. Jerry the King Lawler. Oh, we're not—we're off. Texas. I got to
2: start listening to you better on these runs. Yeah. I guess okay. So. Yes, Jared Kingler. I <laughs> thought I was doing a podcast with Hollywood. I stuff. thought I
1: was doing a podcast with Hollywood Dave. I didn't know I was <laughs> talking to myself. My bad.
2: <laughs> Sorry about that.
1: All right. He returned to the WWF in 1988, and uh, it was mid '88 at Wrestlefest. He pinned Terry Taylor. He made his televised in-ring debut on September 11th on All American. Wrestling when he defeated Dave's favorite enhancement talent, Ron Rovishad, big uh, one for me. And then he he began the vignettes, which uh, kind of made him famous. Uh, playing all the different sports, you know, bowling a three hundred, running the table in billiards, throwing and catching his own hail mary pass, sinking a long putt, hitting home runs. He did it all, and um, he he had a really long, you know, undefeated run. Uh, He went through a few different managers, Uh, but it's on October 7th episode of Superstars that he began appearing with the genius, uh, the arrogant poetry reciting scholar on the Brother Love show and began a rivalry with Hulk Hogan over the WWF championship. And that's where we are today. Now, by the time they end up having their big match on Saturday night's main event, Hogan isn't the champion and Henning isn't undefeated. Uh, so the story changes a little bit, but <laughs> like
2: it took away like all the, all the heat <laughs> that the feud had is all gone.
1: Yeah, but really an un- cool, unbelievable run up to that point. I usually cut him short, but I did want to mention real quickly that he was married to Lenois Leonard. They had four children as I mentioned. and quickly on February 10, 2003, Henning was found dead in Brandon, Florida, in a hotel room at the age of 44. Uh, the medical examiner declared acute cocaine intoxication to be the cause of his death. It was stated that steroids and painkillers were also part of it. In addition to his wife and four children, he was survived by his parents, Larry and Irene, two brothers, uh, two sisters. Uh, Two of his children are professional wrestlers. I guess Amy is as well. And if you want to pay your respects, it's in a cemetery in New Hope, Minnesota. He was still the FOW heavyweight champion when he died. And the title had to be vacated and he was considered the last champion before the future of wrestling folded later that year.
2: That's one of the deaths I, I took the worst. I, I couldn't believe it. When I, I think we didn't know until like the because you know, two thousand three, you know, there was there was internet, but it wasn't like it is now. There was no social media. I think we just saw the still picture before Raw came on that night. I think it might have been, you know, the Monday or the next day was a Monday. I was just like, oh, it's like I got punched in the chest. You know, how, how having like all the, you know, I love to go to all the wrestling conventions and whatnot, all the pictures. Imagine hanging out with Kurt Henning at one of these, how much fun he would be. It's, it's such a it's a huge, huge loss. He's one of the, those
1: guys I think about that could have been a great podcaster, too.
2: Everything. He's perfect. Yeah. Everything. It'd he, be the perfect podcast.
1: He was inducted on March 31st, 2007, to the WWE Hall of Fame. He's also in the Professional Wrestling Hall of Fame in Waterloo, Iowa. Um, He's also in the Professional Wrestling Hall of Fame in Amsterdam, New York. He's probably in any Hall of Fame that has anything to do with wrestling. Would be my guess. better believe it. Is he in Meltzer's? Uh, Yeah. Okay, so I'm sure he's in all of them. Really an all-time great, and one of the great second-generation wrestlers. And that's something I wanted to talk about, too, here in this spot, because really the era we came up in, uh, had some of the biggest um, second-generation wrestlers. It was really a big part of the business. You know, people filed. You know, I think part of it is about how hard it was to break in in this era. You know, and one way to break in, I guess, would be to ask your old man to let's to call up one of his buddies to whip your ass for a few months. You know, so you could get into the business. Uh, we'll go over a few of them here. Greg Gagne, of course, I mentioned the son of Vern. Maybe not one of the best ones. No. <laughs> um, Chavo Guerrero, the son of Chavo Guerrero Sr. and part of the whole Guerrero family. Um, Dustin Rhodes, obviously Gold Dust, yeah. the son of Dusty Rhodes. You know, then of course, um, his brother as well, Dory Funk Jr. the the son of Dory Funk Sr. Tully Blanchard, the son of Joe Blanchard, sure. and then Tully Blanchard is also the part of that really interesting, you know, college football team. that everyone seemed to play on. And I think Tully was one of the the better football players. I believe he was a quarterback.
2: Yeah, now he has a daughter in wrestling, too, so it's three generations.
1: Sure, sure. Cody Rhodes, I sort of mentioned. Um, Barry Windham, the son of Blackjack Mulligan, and, of course, his two sons are both wrestlers now as well. Or, no, his nephews, right?
2: Uh, It's Rotundo. Yes, Nephews.
1: Nephews. Uh, Greg the Hammer Valentine was one I was thinking of. His son was uh, his dad was Johnny Valentine, who was on Great the plane on the plane that crashed with Ric Flair uh, and hurt his back in that. Um, Jake Roberts, the son of Grizzly Smith, which is a subject of that documentary um, that's coming up. Dick Murdoch, the son of Frankie Hill Murdoch, who yeah. I, who I admit to have never heard of.
2: Yeah, I didn't know about that one
1: either. Yeah, Eddie Gilbert, the son of Tommy Gilbert.
2: Okay, there's also a a Tommy, I think a brother, it must be a Tommy Gilbert Jr. Because his brother is, no, it's Doug Gilbert, my apologies.
1: Uh, Owen Hart, the son of Stu Hart, of course, and there's many hearts. Uh, Sure. Dean Malenko, the son of Boris, which is a funny name to me. Ted DiBiase Sr., the son of Iron Mike DiBiase. That was actually his adopted father, not sure that it matters, uh, who died in the ring, died in the wrestling ring. Uh, And then, of course, his son, Ted DiBiase Jr., who was in WWE for a while. Uh, Terry Funk, the son of uh, Dory Funk Sr., who has a few kids in the business, obviously. Uh, Terry, one of the best. Uh, Kerry Von Erich and all the Von Erichs, of course, sons of Fritz Von Erich down in the Texas promotion. Uh, Randy Orton, the son of Cowboy Bob Orton and the grandson of Bob Orton Sr. He's actually a third-generation wrestler. Nick Bonkwinkle, the son of Warren Bonkwinkle, who wrestled in the 1880s, probably. Jeez. No, I don't know when he wrestled, but he's probably pretty <laughs> old. <laughs> yeah. uh, Mr. Perfect, who we mentioned, son of Larry the Axe. Um, Eddie Guerrero, we mentioned uh, his, his dad is uh, Gory Guerrero. Gory, yes. Uh, the Rock, son of Rocky Johnson and the grandson on Peter Maivia.
2: We got a sitcom about that. Speaking of sitcoms, the high chief what's going
1: on right now. Uh, Randy Savage, the son of Angelo Poffo. yeah, and of course one of the big uh, dividers of Savage and the company was the fact that Angelo Poffo was not invited to a battle royal they had in 1987 in New Jersey.
2: Yeah, right here at the Meadowlands.
1: Yeah, so that was that hard. was
2: some heat with uh, Pat Patterson and Savage. I was so unbelievable. I mean, that was in November of '87. Savage became world champion. March of '88, a few months later. Like this guy's, you know, he's he's your top guy. You know, besides Hogan, you don't want to have his dad at the. Makes no sense to me.
1: No. And then of course, number one. This was a top 25 list that I was kind of going through on Bleacher Report, I think. And number one was Bret Hart, uh, who I mentioned earlier when I mentioned Owen, who's the son of Stu Hart, one of the great wrestling families. Happy birthday to Stu Hart, whose birthday was the other day. Uh, Hopefully he's resting in peace. Um, And then we see now, I mentioned Orton, uh, Randy Orton, but this is still a thing in the business, right? Like uh, Davey Boy Smith's son is a wrestler. We talked about Rotunda's son being wrestlers. Brian Pillman has a son who's a wrestler. Um, the list goes on and yeah, on. Yeah, Tully Blanchard. It really is one of those things that Ric Flair
2: and Charlotte. Yes, Ric Flair, of course big one. His,
1: his other, his sons were also wrestlers. Yeah. Um, but just kind of this idea, I thought was interesting to sort of take a minute to mention, um, and kind of tip our hats to the second generation wrestlers of the '80s and '90s, uh, because it is, of course, an episode today featuring one of the great second generation wrestlers of all time kirk hennig and
2: of course we know that we know all them besides uh dick murdoch we didn't realize that one but the rest of them you know i knew of but you don't think there's that many when besides until you list them it's like holy shit
1: yeah i just went i just went through over almost 30. yeah i'm sure there's there's more yeah i'm sure there's more all right dave it's your turn to shine man uh where was hulk uh in april of 1990 let us know buddy play it out for us
2: all right, my friend, we're going to go through almost the April here. As everybody knows, on April 1st, April Fool's Day, that fool, the ultimate Warrior. I'm just kidding, uh, took the title off the our beloved Hulkster. And then uh, Hulk went on to Honolulu, Hawaii, on April 10th, 1990, at the Blaisdell Arena to go over Mr. Perfect. April 13th, Hulkster traveled to the land of the rising sun for a joint card with the WWF, New Japan, and All Japan. Hulk Hogan took on Stan Hansen and beat him... Uh, and you know, beat Stan Hansen, but he was, Stan Hansen was a substitute for Terry Gordy. Gordy did not want to do the match because Hogan had just lost on TV pay per view to The Ultimate Warrior. That mindset was still going back then. It's crazy, but the match is awesome. It's on uh, if anybody wants to see it, it's on the Coliseum video Hulkamania six and Hulk's fighting you know that Japan style that not a lot of people know about really you know hardcore for Hulkster. And then uh, moving on, to April 21st at the Joe Louis Arena in Detroit, Hogan over Earthquake by disqualification. Now these Earthquake matches that I'm going to mention, uh, the Angle wasn't even shot yet, so this is before uh, the you know the big Angle with Earthquake, Squash, and Hogan and Brother Love. April 22nd, Waco, Texas, at the Heart of Texas Coliseum, Hulk Hogan over Earthquake. April 23rd is our show in Austin, Texas, in front of 8,500, Hogan over Mr. Perfect. April 24th, San Antonio Wrestling Challenge taping, Hulkster over Earthquake. The angle is finally filmed on May 15th at the, in La Crosse, Wisconsin, the Hogan Earthquake angle. And we'll finish up uh, Hogan Goes Over Earthquake by DQ the in these places. April 22nd, Springfield, Mass. April 28th at the Boston Garden. April 29th, Cincinnati, Ohio. Finally, April 30th at Madison Square Garden.
1: Good work. Good work. Sounds like a good month for the Hulkster. And then I believe he was gone for a bit, right after this.
2: He was gone for yeah. After the, uh, they filmed that thing, May fifteenth would be his last his last show when they did the squash with Earthquake. And then until that the aired, summer. I believe, like a week later. It aired a week later. Yeah, until the summer, Summer Slam.
1: All right. Well, that's what we're gonna do. We're gonna take a break. When we get back, we'll break down the card. You mentioned it was re- was recorded on April twenty third, nineteen ninety. It aired a quick turnaround for Saturday Night's main event. Pretty fresh. April 28th, 1990. We're also going to read the news, and we'll go blow by blow of the match. We'll give our ratings. We'll do it all next. So we'll take a break. We'll be right back uh, with Saturday Night's Main Event, April 28th, 1990. Oh
0: something mean gene if mr perfect and the genius believe what they say then they are perfect brother really oh yeah man they're perfect fools because never before have i been so confident in my own abilities dude confident that hulkamania will stand the true test of time confident that the training saying your prayers and eating your vitamins is definitely the right way to live as far as my ambition goes, Mr. Perfect, my burning ambition, which is hotter than ever before, is to defeat pompous punks like you and spread the three demandments of Hulkamania. Now about the Kurds department of the Hulkster brother anybody can be knocked down a peg or two and some stay down maybe even down for the count but it takes courage to get back up and that's what I'm gonna do tonight dude after the match is over me and Gene I'll be standing tall taller than ever before all at your expense Mr. Perfect and as far as all my little hulkamaniacs go brother we stick together through thick and thin good times and bad still bound together as the strongest force in the universe and if there are any doubts whatsoever, then watch this, brother. All right, the one and only Hulk Hogan. He couldn't have said it anymore perfectly. This back to you.
1: Twenty-four inch podcast episode eleven: Hulk Hogan versus Kurt Hennig, Hollywood Dave, Steve Bennett, and Paula Bennett. Paula Bennett has joined us. How you doing, sweetheart? Good. What are you up to tonight? Um, we're gonna. I'm gonna stay up and oh. have snack. Stayed up late and having snack. Mm-hmm. Whoa. What is snack? Tell the listeners what that means. That means that I stay up late and watch wrestling with my dad. Yeah, and we eat cereal. Mm -hmm. That's a fun time. I'm jealous. Yeah. Well, before we can get to snack, we got work to do. Yeah, we have work to do. And the first (laughs) piece of business is it's time for me to read the news. All right, April nineteen ninety, April first, ha! Comedy Channel on cable TV begins transmitting. I can't say I've ever heard of ha. Have you?
2: Maybe it's a ha April Fool's joke. Ever it, think of that?
1: It could be a joke.
2: Yeah, it's not Comedy Central. That was around back then, I think. We got for f- almost around.
1: We got a few more April first type things. We got uh, the ninth NCA Women's Basketball Championship, Stanford. Beat Auburn. Cardinal point guard Jennifer Azzi was the most Azee. outstanding player. Um, it becomes Azee. illegal in Salem, Oregon to be within two feet of nude dancers. So say, What's the point? Say goodbye to lap dances there.
2: Yeah, man. That sounds like something in 2021. You
1: know? April 2nd, the 52nd, NCAA Men's Basketball Championship. The Runnin' Rebels of Nevada, Las Vegas, beat Duke 103-73, a record for the largest margin of victory in a championship game. The Runnin' Rebels' first title. But, but, we will see you in one year, Rebels. Runnin' Rebels, sounds like
2: a roller derby team.
1: The Dukies will not forget that. They will see you next year in the semifinals. All right, April 4th. Gloria Estefan, one of Dave's favorites, is released from wonder. the hospital after her famous car accident, uh, where she uh, suffered back injuries.
2: Yeah, I think my sister and my mom saw her at the Meadowlands. I think either right before it or right after. I think right after it, her return. Miami Sound Machine.
1: Yes, an it's NBA, boys. an NBA record. Dream Teamer John Stockton reaches the one thousand assist mark. For an NBA record three years in a row. That was on April 5th. Of course, he would go on to be part of the Dream Team. And on Hollywood Dave's favorite cup at McDonald's was the John Stockton Cup. It's the one he would always request whenever he got a value meal.
2: And it wasn't a nightmare for that Dream Team, for sure. No,
1: no, no nightmares for them. Uh, April 5th, Paul Newman, uh, the actor, wins a court victory over Julius Gold to keep giving all profits from Newman Foods to Charity. I was going to say
2: you had a salad dressing.
1: Yeah, I'd like to know more about that. All right, big day in music on April 7th. Farm Aid 4 at the Hoosier Dome in Indianapolis featuring Bonnie Raitt. Uh, John, don't call me Cougar Mellencamp. <laughs> John Hyatt, Carl Perkins, and Garth Brooks was there. Alton John, Lou Reed, Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young. Willie Nelson, Iggy Pop, and others.
2: You know, for that time period, 1990, it's kind of a weak lineup, right? Yeah. Like, think yeah. Of, so so remember Garth Brooks? Like he was never on MTV and stuff, and you know he'd always have they count down the, the number one, you know, the top 20 albums or something, and he'd always be number one. He was like, "Who the hell is this guy?" He's got
1: friends. He's got friends, he's got friends in low yeah. places. That's the thing. That, yeah, yeah.
2: That's, that's the answer I was looking for.
1: Yep. April seventh, John <laughs> Poindexter. A U.S. national security advisor was found guilty on five counts of lying to Congress and obstruction regarding the Iran-Contra scandal. I remember the, uh, the Iran-Contra thing being on when I came home from school every day one year. It's like always on the TV. Yeah. Uh, April 7th. Oh, this is terrible. A fire kills 110 people on a ferry in Norway. Wow. Eeh, no good.
2: Yeah, not at all. You never know.
1: Oh, we always got to get one of these in. April 8th, Aspects of Love opens at the Broadhurst Theater in New York City for 377 performances.
2: Yeah, you know, I think when everything opens back up, it's going to soon. I think I'm going to start going to Broadway plays. I've only been to a handful, but because of the 24-inch podcast
1: <laughs> news segment. And you could report it on the news. <laughs>
2: yeah, we we'll report maybe a live feed.
1: Uh, television premiere on April 8th, Twin Peaks, David Lynch's weirdness. Uh, debuts. Have you ever tried to understand a David Lynch movie?
2: No, I haven't. I've heard, of, you know, Twin Peaks.
1: Way over but, my uh, head. That's Mo- what Bobby
2: Heenan said. You heard of Twin Peaks and Sherry's, she was SummerSlam ninety two. Her ass was out. That's Twin Cheeks.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Mohawk Drive, I think, is one of his movies. Yeah,
2: I don't like shit like that. That. Yeah, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm not trying to say I'm dumb, but I mean, it's just they really gotta all that crazy thinking too much. too know. weird. I want, it's I want little, to be entertained. You know what I mean? Weird. I like like a nice mystery thriller but you
1: can follow it, you know? April 8th, the 54th U.S. Masters Tournament at Augusta National. Nick Faldo goes back-to-back with par on the second sudden death playoff hole with Raymond Floyd. Congratulations to Nick Faldo, one of Dave's favorite golfers.
2: Sure. Isn't he having Dark Side of the Ring coming up? Nick Faldo.
1: Oh, it's Nick Cage. Nick Cage. Uh, Don Mattingly. Uh, one of the great Yankees of the 80s and 90s. Signs a sure. 19.7 million dollar five five-year contract with the Yankees. His last contract is he retired uh, after the 1995 playoff series where Ken Griffey Jr. slid into home plate to end his career in Game 5, game five of the ALDS.
2: Now, Steve, would you say Don Mattingly is the most famous Yankee of our childhood?
1: Yes. Those, those years? Yes. Yeah, okay. Uh, easily. Okay, a- I thought a- so. April 9th, the world's largest bunny hop at Radio City Music Hall. I mean, I love a good bunny hop myself, Dave.
2: Yeah, that's. A, I guess that was Easter Sunday, maybe, or right yeah, around yeah,
1: there. Yeah, who knows? <laughs> uh, this was a big day on uh, April 11th. The New York Lotto pays $35 million to two winners. The winning numbers are 6, 14, 24, 32, 34. And 51. I am Yolanda Vega. Um, Almost one. April 11th. Custom officers in the United Kingdom say they have seized what they believe to be the barrel of a massive gun on a ship bound for Iraq. (laughs) All right. Yes. That's really,
2: really early news of the Iraqi, uh, you know, stuff going on. Yes. This is April.
1: Back pocket.
2: Yeah. Batten down the hatches.
1: April 12th, James Brown moves to a work-release center after serving 15 months for weapon and drug-related convictions.
2: I feel good. What a rock star right there, the great James Brown.
1: Absolutely.
2: Former WCW appearance as well.
1: April 13th, the final episode of Pat Sajak's late-night TV show on CBS. I barely remember it.
2: God damn, I mean, remember we had Pat Sajak, Alan Thick had his own Chevy yep. Chase, all these once, not even one season. Bob Costas. A, a for effort. Bob Costas had one.
1: Yep. April 15th and Living Color premieres on Fox. That's really,
2: you think early 90s and Living Color is definitely yeah. very much part of that.
1: Yep. That Fire, makes a lot of sense. Fire Marshal Bill.
2: Fire, handy, handyman, a lot, of, a lot of cool stuff. It's a cool show. Underrated.
1: All right. Uh, let's see what else we got here. April 16th, the 94th Boston Marathon. Uh, uh, Geli- Gelindo Bordine is the first Italian event winner in race. Cabanglo. Two hours, eight minutes, and 19 seconds. It's a good Italian guy winning the uh, Boston Marathon. Hey, oh, Spanish. this is interesting. April 16th, maximum New York State unemployment benefits Raised to two hundred and sixty smackers per week. Oof. A uh, long time ago, April seventeenth, a gas explosion on a passenger train in India. Eighty passed away. Some tragedies in April of nineteen
2: ninety. Yeah, we have a lot of gas explosions by riders on the path train here in New York City. That's a different story.
1: <laughs> April eighteenth to them. April eighteenth, <laughs> the Supreme Court rules states could make it a crime to possess or look at. Child pornography. A sad day in Dave's household.
2: Yeah, Oh, please. Okay, but how, why? You know, I was wondering why. How is it even made? You know what I mean? Like even made to look at. I don't know. That that that's that's like the part. Like it's that gets, gets me.
1: Yeah. Horrific. Uh, April twentieth, Pete Rose pleads guilty to hiding three hundred thousand dollars in income. It uh, no surprise there. Yep. Yeah, uh, what's his name? Poor Pete. IRS is waiting for him. Mike Rotundo <laughs> had his briefcase.
2: The IRS and
1: then Kane. Uh, eight and two-third innings of a perfect game pitched by Brian Holman of the A's is spoiled by a home run hit by...
2: Okay. um, Who's A's? Um, The well, A's...
1: They can no, the A's were pitching.
2: Oh, against who?
1: Um, I did not give that to you because this is a total uh. setup because the guy's name is Ken Phillips and I've never even heard of him. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> what would you do? Would you just shut the podcast off now? If <laughs> you I said yesterday? Ken Phillips, yeah, yeah I'd be would like all right, you say good night, it's I'd over, like, hey, bye bye.
1: Got... I would assume you were just reading along. Um, at yeah. that point, no. All right, we got some good ones here. April twenty first, a National League umpire. For some reason, they don't say who, but a National League umpire is arrested for stealing baseball cards. Oh man, mm. that's that's hilarious.
2: Baseball cards, some serious shit back in the day. It's something that's Some coming serious gone, shit right? no
1: serious shit right now there is Still? more okay. money in baseball cards right now than ever before
2: oh i did not know that insane wow, it's
1: not a huge comeback since the pandemic
2: great that's good news
1: april 22nd the nfl draft which we just had here and in, in modern times of course the first overall pick in the nfl draft just this last week dave was uh
2: calvin crowell
1: no trevor lawrence <laughs> trevor lawrence Look.
2: Calvin Crowell won our contest. Shout together. out to the
1: to our good friend Calvin, who's recovering from back surgery. Uh, oh, I didn't know that. In New Jersey right now. Uh, right, hopefully Calvin. he's feeling better. Get back on your feet soon, Cal. But in April 22nd of 1990, the NFL draft, University of Illinois quarterback Jeff George was the first pick by the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, also, oh, April 24th, security law violator Michael Milken pleads guilty to six felonies. Damn you, Milken.
2: Mm.
1: All right. Jerk it's off. April 25th. It's a big day in music. It's the 25th Academy of Country Music Awards, and the night is a grand one. For George Strait, Clint Black, and Kathy Mattia.
2: Well... You know Hollywood Dave wasn't watching her. I would have known who Garth Brooks was
1: back then. (laughs) (laughs) April 25th, the Hubble Space Telescope is placed into orbit by Space Shuttle Discovery, one of my top space shuttles.
2: Yeah, it's up there.
1: Uh, April 25th, Hong Kong actress Karina Lau is abducted by triad members. Oh, no.
2: Triad members. Bam Bam Bigelow, DDP, and Canyon were the triad. The New Jersey triad. Those
1: were the three. That's correct.
2: And they Uh, they got Kimono Wanalea.
1: Yep. April 26th, 126 die. Oh, my God. These mass tragedies in a 6.9 earthquake in China.
2: I don't want to kind of make light of that, but it kind of goes. What's about to happen to uh, the star of our show here in a few weeks in 1990. Yeah. I wonder if they heard about that.
1: Now, my God, just another just horrible tragedy from this month. And also on April 26th, a day of tragedies. Danny Woods of the New Kids on the Block steps on a stuffed animal and twists his ankle.
2: You know, I think he might have... Was it like what, a giant stuffed animal? You get it like Seaside Boardwalk? You know, maybe he was one of his overweight fans that he stepped on? I mean, that's uh, just by really accident. sad. The stage. A yeah.
1: twisted ankle for Danny Wood? Oof. I
2: guess that's the only way that member of the New Kids on the Block can make the news.
1: Also on the 26th, New York Court of Appeals ends a two-and-a-half-year legal battle over the 1988... America's Cup by refusing jurisdiction of the case so it spent two and a half years for them to say they weren't going to hear the case uh, April 26th, Nolan Ryan ties Bob Feller's record of pitching 12-1 hitters uh, and he would later hold the record for no hitters too, which I believe he had seven
2: Nolan Ryan, one of the greats
1: A uh, Big day for Hollywood Dave and his family on April 27th, the 50th annual Barbershop Quartet Singing Convention uh, held Ooh. in Michigan, one of your first road trips. Well, my uh, sister is a hairdresser. Back in the day. April 27th, Dodger Oral Hershizer undergoes career-threatening shoulder surgery. Don't worry, he'll be back. He'll be back, Jack. Yep, yeah, 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 yeah. April 28th, the Boston Celtics score the most points in a playoff game, beating the New York Knicks 157-128. to 128. My God, that's a wow. lot of points. It's a lot of times up and down the court, as they say. A lot of action. Yeah. Uh, April 29th, wrecking cranes began tearing down the Berlin Wall.
2: The wind of change, doo, doo, doo. as the great Klaus Mindset. said. Doo, 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 doo.
1: The winds of change. All right, April 30th, <whistles> David Cohn. This is great. I love whoever puts these together. Listen, this is a big story here. You know, you gotta love this. April thirtieth. Mets pitcher David Cohn argues a call at first base. Two Braves score. <laughs> like what? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's just a routine baseball play from April yeah. thirtieth, nineteen ninety. They're like, we gotta report on that.
2: They they, they have one day left. You know, it's baseball season, <laughs> yeah.
1: so the guy, something. whoever put this together is like, Oh, we gotta we gotta we gotta definitely let people know that well. Dave Cohn was arguing. Two Braves scored.
2: They always have something for every day, right? They yeah, don't miss a day. They have
1: to get something it's out. Probably there. what it is. All right, and then we're going to close things off uh, with U.S. hostage Frank Reed, not to be confused with Frank Reich, who's someone different entirely. But U.S. hostage Frank Reed is freed after four years in the hands of pro-Iranians. Jesus, man! And that is the news, Scary. Dave, for April of 1990. The news. All right. With that piece of business done, Dave, it's time to switch our attention to Saturday night's main event, uh, which took place, as we said earlier, it was recorded on April 23rd, 1990 in Austin, Texas, at the Frank Irwin Center, uh, an attendance of 8,500, which I don't know if that's good or bad, but I will tell you in one second. Uh, The Irwin sensor has a capacity of uh, 17,000, so not a great great game.
2: They must have really had that curtained off for the lighting because they couldn't tell at
1: all. Yeah, Who knows, but uh, it is the XXVI, or the 16th episode of Saturday Night's main event. It, of course, airs on NBC, Vince McMahon, and Jesse Ventura are on the call, and the promos that air in the beginning are The Ultimate Warrior, Haku, uh, Hulk Hogan, and his opponent, Mr. Perfect with The Genius. Four promos in the beginning of this one. Uh, The first match is Hulk Hogan uh, versus Mr. Perfect, Dave, but you know what we do here. It's a tradition on this show. We're going to skip over that match and come back to it and do it last where we'll go, you know, blow for blow.
2: Yeah, and it it's important for our listeners. Saturday's main event, keep that in mind. This is the first match, Hogan and Mr. Perfect. We're going to talk about it at the end.
1: Yep, we're going to do that last. And, and curtain jerkers on on this show are totally different. You totally
2: know. different. And there's a big thing I want to get to with the, with the Warrior that has has a lot to do with this.
1: Okay. All right, so the second match of the night is the Earthquake with Jimmy Hart uh, defeats Hillbilly Jim in 1 minute and 58 seconds. Now, Hillbilly Jim, of course, is a friend of Hulk Hogan. uh, And Hulk Hogan, of course, gave him the boots back in the day. So I think it's an interesting choice uh, to pick Hillbilly Jim to be the one who gets squashed here. Very Um, interesting. You know, just an interesting foreshadowing of what's to come. Uh, But Earthquake's put over very strong here uh, in, I think, a very smart way uh, Jesse, I think, did a great job during the match putting him over, um, showing him as a threat, uh, and he's going to be a big part of what happens uh, with the rest of 1990 for Hulk Hogan, and we will talk about that, obviously, at some point on the show. Uh, anything about this match that caught your eye, Dave?
2: Sure. I, I loved uh, Hillbilly's promo at the beginning. He was talking about anything but the match. <laughs> he also his mind he was mind ready; He wasn't into it, saying hi to Granny and talking about Hog Farms. And day, old good old Daisy May and all this shit. I remember when it happened, I was like, "Oh man, I don't want to see Hillbilly go out in the stretcher. I don't want to see him getting squashed. Like so those guys from like 85 86 when I first got into it from the cartoon, JYT, Hillbilly, Tito Santana, Steamboat, those are my guys, those first guys he loved, so
1: absolutely I didn't want to see
2: yeah, I didn't want to see good old Hillbilly take the sit down splash here, but of course, it happened, and this is that's if, this is it for Hillbilly's career. He's uh, strictly on the microphone He was pretty much before this on the microphone So I was surprised to see him in this match And uh, like you said That's the reason why They they didn't want to job out Tugboat quite yet So uh, get the uh, hillbilly in there Uh, Yeah, I mean The the match did its purpose I mean, you have Hogan on first And this on second So that means, you know, Saturday Night's Main Event One-two punch, that means they really Really are pushing the Hogan Earthquake feud Not the WWF Champion, the Ultimate Warrior Hogan Earthquake and uh, it did the job. Uh, I was upset that Bill Billy got squashed and went out in the stretcher. I, I'll give it a star and a half for doing its purpose.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, I thought they yeah. did a, a good job with it. The Hart Foundation, uh, Bret Hart and Jim Neidhart fought the rocker, Shawn Michaels and Marty Gennetti, to a double disqualification, nine minutes and 30 seconds. Good match, I thought. Uh, not the most infamous a match between these two that they'll have on Saturday's main event. Uh that'll come later. But yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. Love the athleticism. Love watching both of these teams. You know, love watching the Hart Foundation. Love Bret Hart. Hart Foundation, my number one tag team of all time in WWF when I did the the list for the um place to be nation and the Rockers were in my top five. So two of the top five tag teams in the history of the company going on Saturday's main event. They gave them ten minutes which I thought was awesome, and uh, I thought they really showed out, which was a finish here, uh, but I understand why there wasn't. Uh, pretty decent all around. What do you think, Dave? Yeah,
2: uh, anytime you know these two teams are going to be in the ring, they had a lot of these face-versus-face uh, matches. They'd have one at the Garden even once uh, with the Rockers and the Hearts. Uh, it's always awesome. This is not the best one, but it's very good. And I love how Demolition you know, got involved. They were the new champs once again. This is three fi- – and they all brought at the end three face teams, the Hearts – the Rockers' demolition are still Faces. This was right before uh, Axe had that bad sushi, that reaction of sushi in Japan or something, and he uh, had to um, shellfish, and he had to uh, leave for a while, and Crush took his place, and Axe was just in the corner, and then they turned heel, and that whole deal with the Hart Foundation happens at WrestleMania. And uh, so this is it for the popular demolition. as Faces. I think this is the la- really the last... Big prominent moment we see as them as as faces as I think just a couple of weeks on TV they debut with crush and then they jump the hearts and everything like that so uh, this is leading on to that big hearts demolition angle uh, the match is awesome good fast paced action like always ten minutes like you said can't beat it uh, you know these two teams you know they they go together great like peanut butter and jelly my brother uh, I'm gonna give it three and a half stars
1: fourth match of the night is the Ultimate Warrior. The champion going out a little late in my opinion uh, for Oof. a champion on Saturday's main event.
2: New champion too. Yeah,
1: not the best start to the run. Uh, he defeats Haku uh, with Bobby Heenan in four minutes and forty nine seconds, which is about half the time that they give Hogan at the top of the card. So I'm not exactly putting the rocket on the back of the Warriors uh, championship I don't uh, defense get it. here. I understand why the match isn't long. I mean, in a sense, they do put him over. Uh, Pretty strong um, in the match itself. So nothing wrong with that. But I don't know. Something just kind of weird about the champion going on past. 1230 a.m. 1230. Yep. At night. And uh, after, you know, basically two matches of time to Hogan and then a tag team match in between that went 10 minutes. Just a really no excuse
2: excuse for it going on after the tag team match. No. No excuse in the world. If I was booking it, I would. In hindsight, I would have had Warrior Haku on very first and have it even faster than this. Have Warrior uh, run him over, you know, even faster, and yeah. give the other matches some more time. This is the brand new champion you just beat Hulk, friggin' Hogan at WrestleMania, you know, and, and you're coming on at twelve thirty-five in, in the morning after all kind of other shit already aired. I, I I like to always give some kind of a reason why I think. And this, I have no idea. Do you? I I can't even think of anything. No, it's, why they would do that?
1: It's really strange, and it's a really bad decision, I think, in terms strange. of trying to build momentum for for his run. I don't know.
2: Out only thing I could think is maybe oh let us try to get the fans to stick around later, then put Hogan on late. You know, they're, you're they're, you're an yeah. established guy to watch. Put War around first. Put Hogan on here to get fans to stick around for him. But uh, I have no idea. Crazy.
1: Match number five, the big boss man defeats Hakeem with Slick by disqualification in 318 in this kind of 1255 match or whatever that's been a staple of this show. A little bit of a better matchup than you are used to here. Uh, Not a lot of time. Man, for the Twin Towers uh, to have a match, you would think it'd be a bigger deal maybe. I don't know for sure if this is the first, second, or 50th time they've wrestled, but
2: well, it's
1: a rematch from WrestleMania 6. Sure. J- but just kind of a strange spot, you know, yeah. for it to be um, at the end here. But three minutes, there's not much to it. It's a DQ. It's 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 almost a throwaway to end the show. Yeah, it's- Which is, I mean, the, the Saturday Night's Main Event before in that spot, three minutes, Dino Bravo defeats Ron Garvin. You know, the Saturday Night's Main Event after in that spot, Texas Tornado defeats Buddy Rose in three minutes. I mean, it's always a three-minute match... Uh, Texas Tornado defeataku Uh What else are some other examples of it? The Bushwhackers bushwhack Run- defeated the Fabulous Rougeaus in three minutes. So, this is it's it's not an unusual spot. It's not an unusual time. A little bit of an unusual draw. I, I would think that maybe a little bit better. But, anything you want to say about this one?
2: Yeah, it was a rematch from WrestleMania, and uh, WrestleMania, they didn't really get the like, old Twin Towers explode or anything like that, DiBiase interfered, and then here again, DiBiase interfered, so it's just enhancing uh, the Bossman-DiBiase feud, which strangely, we never got an outcome. There was no blow-off to Bossman-DiBiase, it kind of just fizzled, and then DiBiase went on to uh, uh, take Sapphire away from Dusty Rhodes, and Bossman was the, in Hogan's Corner. Sapphire,
1: where's Sapphire yeah. Sweet
2: Sapphire, baby. No, no, I haven't dust. Hey, Paula.
1: Mm -hmm. Hey, Paula, have you seen Sweet Sapphire anywhere? No. Have you been looking for her? No. Who Uh, do you think she might be with? I think she might be with Scary Sherry. With Scary Sherry? Yeah. Well, Scary Sherry's waiting in the ring to wrestle her. (laughs) I think she's with Hulk Hogan. You think she might leave with the Million Dollar Man? Yeah. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Crazy. All right. uh Yeah, whatever. Moving. On. Yeah, so that's
2: the deal there, you know, just uh, getting that Bossman-DiBiase uh, feud uh, off the ground. And, um, yeah.
1: Well, back to 11.35. And Sean Mooney talks to Mr. Perfect and the genius. Perfect puts himself over as a perfect athlete and names all the sports he excels at. The genius has a wild wig on. And Perfect says Hogan has lost his confidence, courage, ambition, and fans. But tonight he will show that he is a perfect loser too. Uh, Mean Gene is with Hulk Hogan who says they are perfect fools because he has never been so confident in standing the test of time as his way of living. His goal is to be pompous punks and spread the demandments. It takes courage to get knocked down and back up and tonight he stands taller than ever in a great I Thought promo that, I like that really puts a lot of the shine on him after the defeat. He talks about being a good loser, about standing back up, about being better. Man, just a great out-of-the-park uh, promo by Hogan. Paula.
2: The character the, character needed, he, yeah, the he, character needed that.
1: She he did. Yeah, the character
2: needed that. He knocked it cheated. out of the park. This is the first time he wasn't cheated. Yep. And, you know, he te- teaching the kids that it's okay, you know, to lose sometimes but keep going. No matter Absolutely.
1: What it is and I remember seeing it live and thinking, wow, you know, wow.
2: Perfection. Uh, Hogan versus
1: Perfect, a big match here, and it could be the final stop of Perfect's Me Tour as he gets his big match with Hulk, but with no title involved. Uh, Genius's wig is absurd. Vince, says Jesse, should have been ringside saddle. Uh, So that's a reference to to Vince and Jesse had come out on horses earlier um, to start the show. And... uh, (laughs) Vince says Jesse should have stayed on the horse. Uh, Hogan powers out to a big pop. As Jesse says, Hulk brags more than anybody else he's ever met. Uh, Hulk shoves Perfect hard to the corner to start, and Perfect hides out of the ring to regroup. He comes back with a hip toss and brags on it. Hogan answers with a flurry of moves that sends Perfect bowing again. Perfect comes back and drives Hulk to the corner and slugs away and shoots him hard to the corner. Perfect is super aggressive here and is playing well. Hogan reverses a whip and Perfect dodges a big boot and bails. Hogan follows out and battles Perfect out there and then keeps pouring it on inside. Jesse is really turned right back on Hulk after backing him in Toronto, which was really interesting. Uh, Hogan mauls Perfect with a clothesline in the corner and keeps punching and chopping away. Hogan buries a back elbow that sends Perfect flying over the top. Hogan follows out as Jesse keeps shitting on his antics. A genius comes over, but Hogan catches him, and that allows Perfect to bash Hogan in the head with the scroll. After a break, Perfect is beating on Hogan outside and then gets him back in the ring. Perfect keeps the pressure on, dropping strikes, and going for covers. Hogan dodges an elbow drop and starts swing low, but drops his head and eats a boot and a clothesline. A perfect loads Hulk into the plex, but Hulk blows out of it. As Jesse says, he has used the tights to break it. The crowd goes nuts as Hogan hulks up here, hits the boot and leg drop, and Perfect loses two matches in a row. Uh, Genius comes in after, and Hogan beats his ass as hard as he's been beaten on Saturday Night's Main Event since Andre left him bleeding in 87. Uh, Perfect leaves perfectly fine. TV formula match here. Hogan had a lot of offense. Perfect looks strong and aggressive. His Perfect record is shattered. And maybe his main event run is too. We'll talk about that now. Uh, as both men have new issues to look forward to. Um, interesting spot here. Because obviously they've both taken a loss at WrestleMania. And in retrospect, there was no reason for Mr. Perfect to lose to 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 uh, Brutus. Brutus at WrestleMania. A big mistake. Especially if you're going to have him lose here to Hulk. Um, is his main event run over maybe and you know he could have been a really good opponent for warrior maybe you know maybe this wasn't the right time to blow him up because warrior needed heel opponents
2: yeah maybe somebody else win the intercontinental title
1: yeah you know and and, and you think of who did warrior exceed with and that was rude and you know perfect and rude have some similarities
2: yeah so, the, so, the problem is that Rude, we had just seen it you know like the year before Sure,
1: uh, perfect so maybe, would have been fresh maybe that could have clicked I agree. Uh, But, you know, either way, uh, I enjoyed this. Perfect is one of my favorite in-ring performers. His bumping is unbelievable. He did a great job bumping all over for Hulk, you know, making Hulk look like a million bucks. And from the Hulk perspective, they did a good job rebuilding the character, you know, a fantastic promo. And he just gets right back on the horse, and he's a force right away. Now, it does, again, it hurts even that because... Instead of being the one to end the perfect record, he's just beating a guy who already lost uh, to, you know, Brutus at Romania. Now, if they were smart, they would have played a slump angle here, you know, or a psyche angle. You know, perfect is all about being perfect, and he lost that match, and now he's got to get his head back in. You know, he's all over the place, whatever. Not really sure if they played that angle or not, but that's in kayfabe what I would say, is Mr. Perfect is used to be imperfect, and something went wrong for him at Mania. And he wasn't quite ready to get over it mentally here. And it takes him. His run in the tournament. And regaining the Intercontinental Championship. To really get his confidence back. So that's what I would say in kayfabe. Um, But man. A great night for Hulk. A really good night rebuilding the character. An A plus promo. And a pretty good match. Relative to all Hulk matches. I'll give it three stars. Um, but yeah. Just a great night for him. Not as good for. For Mr. Perfect, like I said, you can talk it away with some smooth uh, language, but it's hard to not see a guy who builds himself as perfect losing two matches in a row, not quite a main eventer anymore, and they needed main event heels uh, for Warrior to to wrestle, and they just weren't there. Your thoughts?
2: Yeah. I'll go three stars as well. It uh, probably would have been a little more, but if there was a little more heat to it, if Holgo was still champ, Mr. Perfect was still undefeated. That kind of thing. Uh, me, personally, I had already seen at the Garden in January. Uh, so, you know, it's a match I had already seen at, that, and that's when Hulk was the champion. So uh, was, I was still excited. You know, two top-notch guys, you know, my favorite, the Hulkster and Mr. Perfect, a great heel. The match is great. You said it all, now that those aspects of the match. And, uh, yeah, Perfect is going on to win the Intercontinental title in the tournament just a few weeks later. So the the loss doesn't hurt him at all. To so all the Hogan haters out there that say maybe Hogan shouldn't have beat him. And, uh, you know, Hogan is uh, – he definitely wasn't going to lose coming off of, of the big loss to the Warrior at WrestleMania. And also this is the last appearance of uh, the genius with Mr. Perfect. Uh, Mr. Perfect moves on to Bobby Heenan when he wins the tournament, the perfect manager.
1: Right, and then the coach, the coach as well. And
2: then coach yeah. after that a year later. And um, yeah, and you know, the whole thing with Brutus, you know, maybe Brutus, I don't, I agree, I don't think Brutus should have pinned him there. Maybe one by a countout, and they could say, well, that doesn't count with the perfect record. But Brutus could say it does. So then, when it goes into the intercontinental thing, Brutus has a reason going after him to take that intercontinental strap off him. But pinning him, and then in hindsight, what happened to Brutus with the uh, the big uh, boating accident, parasailing accident. You know that whole thing. Which you
1: can't. You can't hold that against the company. No, guess, of course. You know, not. of but, course
2: not. I didn't know that was going to happen. Of course. But, yeah. But just what a you know throw the papers up in the air. What are we going to do now? Type of thing with Mister Perfect. So kind of hurt him. But uh, yeah, this was um, this was a good one. Hogan and Perfect here, both moving on to bigger and better deals.
1: Yeah, and I, I just really want to say, like, what a great wrestler Kurt Hennig is. What a great performer. Amazing in the ring great gimmick that he worked to perfection a tough gimmick you know because you do have to be perfect right you got to catch the pencil every time you got to catch the towel every time you gotta lock all your moves in right all the time you know every yeah time we're you get, every time you get hit you need to make it like you know you plan that you know what i mean like it's just a certain this this gimmick wouldn't work for anyone uh he's one of the few guys that could pull it off uh, also i want to give a thank to uh, Justin Rosero. Uh, from the uh, Place to Be podcast who helped me with some of those notes uh, on the match there for the Place to Be podcast. They covered this one with my friend Peter Winson and Scott Criscolo. You can find that in their archives uh, as well. So a huge shout out to Justin who makes it a little easier on me. I don't have to transcribe every blow by blow in the match, but we still get to share it uh, with you here on the 24-inch podcast. So thanks to our good friends at Place to Be Nation, especially Justin. Uh, who's always kind to me to share those notes.
2: Thank you, guys. All right. I wanted to I wanted to throw one more thing in yeah. there, Mr. Perfect. Do it. Uh, the next Saturday Night's main events in July of 90. He has a hidden gem. He's Intercontinental Champ by this time. A hidden gem with Tito Santana. It's one of my favorite matches of all time. Check it out when you have a chance. One Gosh, of the, I know you've seen it.
1: One of the five best matches in the history of Saturday main event, in my easy, opinion. Easy. Yep. Maybe even they the top got, two. They got 10 minutes. Um. And it was, it's a fan, It's a third match of the night. It's a fantastic match.
2: In that point of Tito's career, there was no way he was taking that belt. But you would think every time you watch it, even when I re-watch it now, I think he might win.
1: That's how good it is. And uh, I just want to mention, too, since we're talking about Kurt, and I'm sure we'll do SummerSlam 91 at some point on here. Maybe even we'll do it this year since it'll be a big anniversary of it. Actually, mm. we'll, we'll probably do that. Sure. Uh but his match with versus Bret Hart, um, considering the condition he's in, the performance he gives that night is incredible. Yeah, I was in, there too, so incredible. that, even, that helps. Yeah, and it's going to be, you know, it's 2021, so that means it's going to be the anniversary of anything that happened in 91. I guess, what, 30 years? Yep. Wow. So we Crazy, will do, I, I will make that promise that in SummerSlam season, uh, one of the SummerSlams we will be covering is SummerSlam '91, which is one of my, it here first. One of my favorite shows, one of Paula's favorite shows. She loves the Jail Match, and she loves the Match Made in Heaven. Uh, it's one of her favorite shows, so we will definitely do that. Uh,
2: that show pretty much summer. start to finish until until the main events, right?
1: Yeah, but Paula loves the Match Made in Heaven, so don't tell oh, her. Course, yeah. What your birthday? Yeah. Yeah. Why don't you get to your spot? Because we're going to take a break, and when we come back, it's going to be emails uh, and plugs and a special announcement about the 12th episode of the 24-inch podcast. Sound good, Dave? Sounds great. All right. We'll be right back.
0: I am a real American. Fight for the rights of every man. I am a real American. Fight for what's right. Fight for your
1: 24-inch podcast, episode 11, winding down. It's the last segment of the 11th episode of the podcast. Thank you for listening to episode 11. You can find episodes 1 through 10 on the Sportscasters page on SoundCloud. It's soundcloud.com slash sports dash casters. You can also find us uh, wherever you listen to podcasts, whether that be Apple Podcasts or Stitcher. Or maybe you listen to them on uh, Google Podcasts or Downcast or Overcast. We're there. Uh, Search the sportscasters and you can find the whole feed of 24-inch podcast episodes and all the episodes of the sportscasters, including my latest episode with Neil Best from New York Newsday and the authors of a really great rock and roll book uh, that I sent to Dave uh, to, to read as well. Uh, about the 80s nothing but a good time 80s rock book a really fantastic read i had both the authors on we 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 went an hour it's a pretty good interview dave you heard that right
2: i love the interview i love the book i appreciate you sending it to me It would have been a book i would have bought anyway so you saved me about 40 bucks my friend down the street also thanks you as well he staggered out of his house drunk and was very happy to see the uh nothing but a good time book in his hand pink and white book and uh it's been sitting nicely snug in my bathroom ever since
1: Good toilet reading. Uh, know it. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter <laughs> at the number two, the number four, the word inch, the word podcast at two, four inch podcast. You can find us on Instagram. Dave takes care of that. Uh, the number two, the number four underscore inch underscore podcast. Uh, search 24 inch podcast on Facebook. Find our group. It's a public group. Come in. Join us. The water's warm. Uh, everyone's uh, really fantastic there. We got a whole plethora of discussions whether it be hockey hits nfl draft games uh and wrestling memes uh and contests Yep, yeah, contests we do it all there we got a fantastic a really hot contest uh going on for a chance to win a cup a 24 inch podcast cup and the the members are going nuts over that contest
2: yeah i thought they were going to exchange addresses and uh, go beat each other yeah, up
1: i'm worried mean, about it it's a flurry of activity in that it's been a real it's been a real hit Um,
2: Guys, don't don't fight. You can find me on Twitter
1: at sports underscore casters. Don't forget to check out greetings from Allentown, our favorite, our other favorite wrestling podcast with uh, Peter Winson at Jeff Allentown Pod on Twitter. He also does uh, greetings from Allentown live uh, with Keithy. Uh, Check that out as well. Uh, Place to be Nation podcast. Uh, They're doing they're well into 1992 on their reboot, which will be ending soon. We don't know what they're doing next, but I'm sure it'll be great. Uh, I'm going to be on soon, uh, pre-WrestleMania 9, I guess, roundtable or something I'll be doing when they get to that uh, before that wraps up. Uh, let's see, anything else plug-wise? Anything you want to plug, Dave? Uh, no, I think you covered it all. Paul, anything you want to plug, honey? Yep. <laughs> Is there anything you'd like the listeners to sort of check out? What about your Instagram? Are you on Instagram? I think I am. Yeah, Paula Bennett, twenty-three. I believe you are. Yeah, I
2: think. I have something funny to say about that. So okay. You mentioned Paul's Paul's personal Instagram. Sure. Made me think of my personal Instagram, which I've had since like 2012 or something. I have like 2,000 followers. I don't know how many pictures. On Friday, it just disappeared. Couldn't log in. It didn't exist. I didn't you got post booted. anything political. But I mean, I didn't post anything political. Not. in... Six months, nothing like that, nothing even close to like that, but then I couldn't, I couldn't. I was trying to write the emails, I was trying this, trying that. All of a sudden today, it's back, <laughs> just back, just out of the blue. I was on twenty four inch podcast and I saw because I follow myself, I saw my, I saw me, saw oh, yeah, the story. I got gotcha. you. I said, what the hell is this? How am I back? I'm back. Who knows? I have no answer, man.
1: Well, luckily, you were back in time to wish Mick Mars a happy birthday.
2: Yeah, that, that was my test to wish Mick Mars. Let me make a post, make sure everything works. So we got Mick Mars' birthday. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> you like that, Paula, right? <laughs>
1: with that said, uh, we got some emails and some text messages and group messages. Dave, you got a text? Well, let's get started with that.
2: Yeah, Mr. Kevin Hogan, uh, he was, during our spring spring break, he was he was jonesing. He was very upset that we, there was no new inch podcast, so we apologize, brother. You're, you're our favorite listener, and here's your question. Dave, Steve, are any of the other wrestlers you could think of pull off using a fisherman suplex as a finishing maneuver? Uh, Yeah, Kevin Hogan. Uh, Harley Race, the King Harley Race, used that as his finisher maneuver. He didn't do the... Uh, the bridge that Kurt does. He would, let, he would do the suplex and lay out his side and pin the guy. And, Steve, we saw uh, in one of the Saturday Night's Main events we just covered, I think in the Orndorff, Few, Davy Boy Smith uh, pinned Beefcake using it as well. So Harley Race and Davy Boy Smith are my two answers. Got you, anybody
1: else, brother? You know why it worked, though? It's because of the name. The Perfect Plex. And Jesse, the body, is the one who made sure to get that name over. Oh, yeah. Um maybe it was WrestleMania five versus Owen. Maybe it was another time where he used the move and gorilla didn't call it the perfect plex And Jesse jumped right in and said, he calls it the perfect plaques and just a really uh, the perfect name. I think how perfect plex, get the, get the move over. And I think the hooking aspect of it, you know, and the way he cinched it in, it just looked really good. Yeah. And a bridge um, he does. The question I guess is, could anyone else have get a, get away with it? Uh, maybe, but I think the reason it worked in this case was because of the name, for one, and for two, Jesse Ventura's work uh, to get it over on commentary were both very important. I yes. think parts of getting you know what is a sort of a basic finisher over, but you know we've seen in wrestling that it doesn't have to be the most devastating hold. You know, like John Cena's gotten away for, with years with the AA, which is what a fireman's carry. You yeah. know, H- Hogan got away up. with years with having a leg drop, you know. The big leg drop? Yeah, so good question. But- funny,
2: Steve. I, yeah, I know you didn't watch WCW, <laughs> but Kurt Henning, actually, when he was over there in, like, 97, 98, he did the move to the Giant, the big show. He
1: pulled it Unbelievable. off. <laughs> Unbelievable, yeah. Unbelievable. What an what a absolutely amazing performer he was. Yeah. All right, Facebook group. We got some stuff there. Ryan Cummings. Am I crazy for thinking Bret Hart is the most boring over-wrestler ever? I'll answer first. Yes, you are absolutely crazy. Uh, One of my favorite things in wrestling is to watch Bret Hart work. He's a genius in the ring. Uh, He's unbelievable. He is great at offense. He's great at selling. Um, He's got probably five of my – five or six, seven of my 20 favorite matches – uh, his promos weren't the best in the beginning, but they got better over the years. um the hitman gimmick was great, got better over the years. He was a really good champion in a really difficult time to be the champion, you know, after the Hogan era ended. man, he's great, one of the great wrestlers ever. so yes, Ryan, I think you're crazy, Dave. Yeah, I think you're crazy too. Uh,
2: however, I think Brett gets a bad name for different things because he's so bitter nowadays. I think he was a little happier. Well, to, and he takes himself very things.
1: seriously. Yeah. Yeah.
2: But, I mean, to the other the other guys, the way he talks about them and everything. So, I think it makes people pull things out about him. You know, that may, it may not be true. But, also, people are weird, though. I have my own. I'm the Undertaker when he was a face. Early on, face. 93, 94, 95. He was boring to me. So, I mean, to each their own, I guess. Sure.
1: But he asked. You know what I mean? So Yeah. All right. Jay Hinchy, buy or sell on which tag team? happens, which tag match happens on this Saturday night's main event? Hearts versus Rockers or the Heart Foundation get their title shot against Demolition. So I guess he's saying what would we have preferred, right? Hearts and the Rockers, which we got, or the Heart Foundation versus Demolition, right? Is that what you get out of that? Yeah, I think you say sh- should that match happened here. Right. What do you think, Dave?
2: Absolutely not, because the way they did it at SummerSlam, uh, that's my favorite tag team match of all time. Big yeah. two out of three. Right up there match.
1: for me. Yeah. Right. Up yeah. There and
2: demolition, me. demolition. were still faces here. So that, that would have really hurt if the hearts would have went over and took the belt from them. That means that uh, demolition would only had them for a month and it would, it would have hurt the hearts pop having demolition because they were so over, you know, still being in the faces. Now that, that that's booking too fast. Like they do nowadays, you know, you had to, you had to hold it out there. You know what I mean? until Summerslam, And I think they did it the right way.
1: I agree. I agree. Yeah. Uh, nothing more to add. Just because you kind of, you nailed it. You know, I knew you, you would too, so I gave it to you. All right, our friend Fred Nichols, on Myra New York. I remember watching this when it aired and thinking Hulk versus Perfect didn't really feel like a big deal because Perfect just lost to Brutus at WrestleMania six. I know Brutus was over, but if you can't beat Brutus, you're not being Hulk. Uh, Warrior versus Haku for Warrior's first televised title defense should should have been a squash. Haku hadn't won a match that I can remember against anyone other than a Saturday afternoon jobber. How the hell did he get a title shot? Damn that, Weasel. It would have been much cooler if Warrior destroyed Haku like he did Honky Tonk Man for the IC title. I did like the heelish promo from the Heart Foundation. I guess the purpose of this show was building more towards Hogan Earthquake Feud, which easily overshadowed the Warrior vs. Rude feud. It wasn't that good of a show to me, but then again, I was still butthurt from Hulk losing at six. So that's more his comments. He does have a question in a second, but any thoughts on his comments there about the show?
2: Yeah, like I, I kind of said that before. Like the Warriors should have went over Haku the first thing of the night and yeah. maybe a little faster, even just run him over. Yeah. Haku was, you know, he was a lower mid card. Love Haku, but his, his role, he was just coming out of a tag team. Andre, Andre left, turned good and left. So Haku's role was very much a lower mid card guy from this point forward, even when well, he with the Barbarian.
1: That's what I would say. A little bit of, like, he was just a tag champion, you know, a second ago. Yeah. So it wasn't quite as bad as he said about how he had. Now, tag team, singles, different. Maybe it's been a while since he's won a singles match, but he was in a tag team with Andre, and they were the champions, you know, not even a month ago. Yeah. But and not
2: to change the subject, I yeah. was waiting around this time for Andre. Like, I didn't know he was leaving. Like, when's he going to come back as a good guy and fight Haku and Bobby? You know, so I was thinking maybe he was gonna come out that during the Saturday night speed man I just remembered and then we didn't see him for
1: a while. Now a question from Fred for our three podcasters. So Paul, you better get on Mike. He's got a question for you here. It made no sense for Beefcake to get the queen, clean win over Perfect at WrestleMania six. Perfect beating Beefcake, then losing clean to Warrior on this show makes more sense to me to kick off Warrior's title run. What's your opinion? Rebook Warriors first title defense. Who are you going with? And then he says, Haku, eyes roll. All right, Dave, lead us off. Who would you have booked against Warrior here to kick off the title run? Who's the question from? Uh, That's from Fred as well.
2: Oh, Fred as well. Okay, Fred. Uh, I'm going to go with Mr. Perfect, but what I'm going to disagree with you on is I wouldn't have the Warrior beat him here. I would have him face Mr. Perfect and not Haku. And have, uh, you know, some kind of a schmaz. Maybe the, Mr. Perfect win by a countout. So the feud could go on and on. And instead of doing Rude, let's do somebody fresh. Let's do Perfect and Warrior feud. You know, we just saw Rude already this the summer before. Maybe do Rude down the line with Warrior if, if, if need be. But yeah, I'm going to go with Mr. Perfect. But have Perfect, you know, retain his heat. Not get pinned in the Saturday Night's Main Event. Kind of maybe start an angle with Warrior and uh, Mr. Perfect.
1: Steve? Yeah, I mean, I wasn't crazy about perfect getting a second loss here to Hulk. Um, and I don't know that I love him getting a second loss to Warrior either. Um, but I want something big for Warrior here. You know what I mean? Something to really to really jumpstart it. And I'm thinking a super heavyweight of some kind. You know, someone where he can really show off his strength and do something great. So what about someone like Hakeem? You know, again, maybe he's not built up crazy, but he's a super heavyweight. He was yeah, really still on the Haku
2: level at the time, though.
1: Yeah, yeah, but you know what? I want him to blow through the guy anyway. You know what I mean? And I, a, I want and a
2: nice body, nice body slam. Right, so. I
1: want so I, I agree with with his idea that he should beat him like he beat Honky Tonk. So let's put Haku in, or excuse me, Hakim in. I'll pick him out. He's in the company at the time. Super heavyweight. Go down there. Look big. Look tough. You know. And then Warrior comes in the ring, gets kicked once or twice, gets knocked down, and then boom, up he is, kick, kick, splash, slam, body slam the guy, look great, blow him out, get the pin, blow the roof off the place, less than a minute. You know what I mean? And really put him over.
2: Maybe a press slam for Slick.
1: Yeah, then maybe, yeah, he kicks Slick's ass on the way too. Yeah. Yeah, so I I think I love the idea of perfect down the road for him. Maybe there's a way to set it up in the card without them wrestling. You know, maybe – I don't know, maybe the, in some way Hulk gets the win and then um, you know Hulk is getting double teamed after the match. Maybe maybe Warrior can come in for the save to set it up. I don't know. You'd think of something. You know, it's funny. Back to the Perfect Warrior thing, they were
2: actually doing house shows together before WrestleMania 6. So maybe they were thinking about going in that
1: direction. Yeah. They
2: wrestled at the Garden and they definitely in a could couple of places.
1: But yeah, yeah I think... Just to answer the question, I'm feeding him a super heavyweight, a big, huge guy, 400 pounds, tall, strong. And I'm just going to blow him out in a minute, you know, to really put the new champ over strong and hard uh, to start the uh, the run. What about you, Paul? Who would you – Vince McMahon calls and he says, Paula, I need you to pick me an opponent for the Ultimate Warrior. For Saturday Night's main event, who should the Ultimate Warrior wrestle? I think it's going to be Hulk Hogan. Hulk Hogan in a WrestleMania Six right. rematch. Yeah, I'll take it. And who wins? Hulk Hogan. Hulk Hogan wins. I'll take it twice. Gets the belt <laughs> back.
2: All right. That's what we all wanted. <laughs> Everybody would have been happy. <laughs>
1: we hear it here from the from Paula. I think Paula wins. The best answer. Now here's the thing, Dave. We we have a game, and I'm we're going to play a quick round here. Paul and I play this all the time. And what happens is Vince McMahon calls us. And he's at a show and he's in a bind. He needs a card. And he needs we're gonna this is what we're gonna do, Paula. Vince calls, he needs three matches. Okay, we got three matches. Okay, he needs a curtain jerker. Curtain jerker. Okay, then he needs a second match and then a main event. Okay. So let's see what you got. Give it to us. Hulk Hogan. This is the curtain jerker? Yeah. Okay, so Hulk Hogan's in the curtain jerker. Andre, nice Andre. He's with nice Andre as his partner. Okay. So yellow short Andre. And the tag team. Okay. Match. Okay, it's a tag team match. Who are they wrestling? They're wrestling the Hard Foundation. The Hard Foundation, okay. All right. Interesting match. Hulk Hogan uh, with good Andre versus the Hard Foundation. The curtain jerker. All right, what's your second match? The second one is the the second one is a royal rumble. A royal rumble. How many men? Is in the rumble? is quite the card. Yeah. Five. Five man royal rumble. So they're gonna be Jake the Snake, yeah, Hockey Talk Man, yeah, Hulk Hogan, a lot of people. A lot of people. Yeah. And who is you booking for the win? Hulk Hogan. Hulk Hogan wins it. Okay. And then what's your third match, your main event of the evening? Hulk Hogan versus Andre. <laughs> wow, Hogan's busy. And now he's wrestling Mean Andre? Yeah. Oh man. So maybe in the Royal Rumble Andre turns on Hulk. Yeah. And then they re- Okay. Interesting guy, Dave. What do you think?
2: I love it. I love it. That's going to be uh on pay-per-view Vince McMahon, we, he might come up with the price right there. And that's going to be a hefty one.
1: You want to try to challenge your card, Dave? You want to come up with a quick one?
2: Okay, quick card for me. Uh, Three matches, Opening curtain jerker. Curtain jerker. Well, the biggest curtain jerker would be SD Jones. Let's team him up with Paul Roma, like he did in Australia, against the Conquistadors. Okay. Mid-match. Uh, so we just talked about it. So how about Mr. Perfect, an Intercontinental title with Tito Santana?
1: Oh, I like that.
2: And I got something on the mind. I'm thinking, thinking, thinking oh, main about event. Hulk Hogan yep. and the Macho Man oh,
1: in the boss. main event. Exploding. Uh-huh. All right. My mat, my card real quick. I'll go with uh, Jerk in the Curtain. I'll do a tag team title match. Best two out of three falls. British Bulldogs have the belts. They face the challengers, the Heart Foundation. Second match, Intercontinental title match. Ricky the Dragon Steamboat has uh, has the belt. He faces Rick the Model Martel. Uh, third match, match, third match, my main event, uh, the Hulkster uh, with the belt uh, in a steel cage match against. Uh, let's see who will I feed the Hulk on this night. How about? Hmm. Why don't we do Mr. Perfect, just because it's his night tonight. Uh, Hulk versus, Fine by me. Yeah, Hulk versus Perfect in the cage, and it's going to be a hell of a night. There's going to be color. There's going to be drama. Heenan's going to eat some cage at some point. be a great match.
2: Three great cards. I think I took Curtain Jerker to heart. Yeah. I'll, uh, <laughs> I know how to play a little better now, maybe next time.
1: All right. Paula, I think, won. Mm-hmm. I think her card was oh, bad. Yeah. yeah. I think mine was second best, and Dave's was worse.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right, anything else, Paula? Nope. Nothing else from Paula. Anything else from you, Dave? Uh
2: no. Just excited for the next show, number twelve.
1: Oh yeah, we have to announce that number twelve next time. My pick here. Um, I was so disgusted with the A and E biography uh, on the Macho Man that I wanted to spend some time talking about him. We're obviously not going to do the Mega Powers explode, but luckily. 1985 there was a three match uh, Feud And we'll cover all three matches uh, And then we'll also cover One of the three cards I'm not sure which one of the three Cards I'll look at them uh, But we're going to do Macho Man versus Hogan 85 uh, We'll do the play by play For the three matches What we'll probably do is we'll talk about two of them Do the full play by play for one And the one that we do the full play by play for Will be the one that we do the card of um, so we'll put that all together. We'll work on the research, and we'll be back as soon as we can uh, with that one. So in the meantime, I'm going to ask you to do one more thing, and that's to say your prayers, eat your vitamins, and tell your friends about the 24-inch podcast.
0: Brothers. See